Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,112. Be careful what you wish for because you will get it. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Mark Gessler. Hey, Mark, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am, absolutely. Let's go with it. All right. Mark Gessler is the president and founder of the Historic Vehicle Association, known as the HVA, and the National Historic Vehicle Register, a public-private partnership with the U.S. Department of the Interior and the Library of Congress. The HVA's goal is to document and preserve Americans' automotive heritage for the next 500 years. A former tech entrepreneur turned social entrepreneur, Mark is focused on preserving global automotive heritage, and he also serves as North America Ambassador, Representative, and Board Member for FIVA since 2008. He's the founder of Scuderia Sports Zagato and has achieved two overall victories and seven podium finishes in the Mille Miglia since 2010. Mark is a frequent advisor, a speaker, a judge, a competitor, and participant in historic automobile events, including the Amelia Island Concorde Elegance, the Pebble Beach Concorde Elegance, and many, many others. So, Mark, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little more about your career and a very obvious passion for preserving our heritage in the automotive world till, well, for a long time? Well, uh, I, I can say that my mom backs this up, that my first word was Volkswagen. So <laughs> I guess from a very early age, I, uh, I had something for cars. And, you know, it was always a passion. And, you know, it, as I had a career in the, was actually in the, uh, in the genetics and genomics uh, field for, for many years. And, you know, my nighttime reading was always about cars and started collecting. I, I also say that my, the first car I ever owned, I went off to buy a car. My dad said, oh, I'd really like to give you the family car. And I ended up trading that for a watch and I lost the watch. It was stolen. Oh, no. And my dad said to me, my dad said to me, he said, you know, you never would have lost the car. I'm not actually <laughs> sure about that, but I think he was probably right. Yeah. But, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. Well, so, you- <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I got to. This is, you know, probably, a, you know, at least the second career round for me. I've been a, done, uh, done the college professor uh, stuff. I've been a, started out as an artist wow. and got into the tech uh, tech business and uh, was in, did a lot of the work around the human genome. Uh, we were uh, put together uh, with some others, a pretty big enterprise around that. And then had the opportunity to sort of reevaluate what I wanted to do for the next 50 years. And uh <laughs> Yeah. You know, what can we do in the uh, in the space that I really loved? I mean, I'd been collecting cars and just, you know, that was my advocation. And I thought, you know, well, you know, uh, what could be done? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, that served as the genesis for getting involved with FIVA, which is sort of this UN of old cars. And and then uh, I'm sure we'll talk about uh, the HVA, which uh, uh, which with along with Mikhail Haggerty, uh, you know, we founded a number of years ago and uh, we've made some progress with it. Well, I guess so. And you say for the next 50 years, your your career, I think next 500 is the legacy that you're going to be leaving behind, which is pretty darn cool. And, you know, I'll let our listeners know I met Mark about three years ago during Car Week at the Pebble Beach Concours, and I've been wanting to get him on ever since. But this guy moves so fast, Mike, I'm not quick enough for him. And it's taken me a long time to get him on the show. But yeah, he's involved with Mikhail Haggerty, who's been a guest and many of the wonderful people as part of Haggerty on the on the show. And what you're doing, Mark, is absolutely spectacular. 
for the hobby, for the trade, for the industry. And as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that's uh, been instrumental in your life. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on cars. Yeah. So, Mark, take the wheel. Well, I mean, I think it's, you know, from, from my, you know, I, I guess uh, at this point in my life, I tell a lot of young people, I say, you know, be careful what you wish for because you will get it. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and you know, it's true. You know, if you think, you know, I just want to make a lot of money, you know, you can wish for that and you will probably get it. And then you may find out later in life that it, all that stuff isn't quite as fulfilling. And, you know, what really what's really meaningful in your life and what's really meaningful long term. And, you know, I do what I do today because I have a commitment to, a, you know, hopefully a lasting impact on what we can do with, with our automotive heritage, which has been overlooked in America. And uh, we'll talk more about that. But, you know, that's what I wish for today. And it's, uh, it's you know, certainly different at different points in your life. But be careful what you wish for. You will get it. You know, it's a great way to think. Kind of reminds me of that uh, great book by Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, uh, the whole concept <laughs> behind. Yeah, part of what you focus on is what you'll end up getting. And I, I think it's great this pivot you've made in your career because you came from this whole other industry, but your nighttime reading, as you say, were cars. And that's what Cars Yeah is all about, people who figured out how to wrap that passion for cars into their lives and careers. So we are very happy you made that pivot. Great mantra. I'd like to start, though, by having you share a story that instigated your personal passion for cars, maybe a little later than those first that first word, Volkswagen, which I, <laughs> which I think is very unique and different, that's for sure. Usually it's cars, but you were really, you had a laser focus. But is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were going to be a car guy? Well, uh, you know, when I, when I got the first opportunity, and I've, I've been collecting cars all along the way, and I, I got the first opportunity to really have a collector car, and um, you know, that was that was pivotal for me. It actually was turned out to me my my daily driver was a Sunbeam Alpine, and nice. then I discovered I discovered sort of their their whole heritage around racing, and I thought I wonder if those cars exist out there. Then I understood that they did, and then this whole world for sort of uh, vintage racing and vintage sports cars and everything opened up for me, and I just dove in, and I I love history. I'm you know I just became you know it just devoted my time to being a historian around all that, and and collecting with that same uh, mantra. And I love to say that I, you know, I'm not qualified to work on anything I've ever owned, but I'm the history guy on the other side of it. And I think that that is the real thing that, you know, I'd say 99% of the people are out there focusing a lot on, you know, changing the condition of their vehicle. And I was out there focusing on figuring out what the background, the history was and became sort of, you know, if you will, a super sleuth on an international basis on finding some really great stuff. And, you know, it's, you know, right time, right place and luck favors the prepared mind. So I got (laughs) lucky with a, lucky with a lot of things, you know, found one of the, um, the earliest BMW uh, race cars was, uh, turned out to be, you know, one of the national race cars, uh, during the, uh, you know, right before the war and, you know, did, did, you know, so, and, you know, it was probably one of the more important ones outside of uh, the BMW museum. And then found one of the earliest Ferrari team cars, one of the early, you know, just, it's been a whole ride like that. It's been overlooked stuff. Uh, If you take the time, you'll be surprised what you can find and got to be really good at that. So that's really what drove me. It's it's just just desire for history and the storytelling behind that. And that's, you know, essentially how I got here. I started out with saying, Hey, the Sunbeam Alpines and their driving story and went from that to Alfa Romeo's and it's, uh, and it's been all over the map now. I mean, I'm, you know, I do minivans. I do, you know, we do everything here. (laughs) Doom buggies. I mean, I'm, passionate about it all like you know i could talk about jeep till the cows come home so uh, but, uh cool. but there you go yeah very cool well let's talk a little bit about a big challenge or a failure you face along the way and i love these stories because they teach us about things we learn and how we overcome things and i would imagine I mean, pivoting out of the career you had before and then starting the hva the national historic vehicle register i mean all these things 
No doubt we're fraught with a few challenges, maybe in a few failures along the way, hitting the wall, if you will. So walk us through one of those and tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum as you move forward. One of the things is we, you know, started to think about there wasn't a fever representative in the United States, and that's how this the, the gestation of the HVA started. And you know, there were some ideas on linking up with some other clubs, and then you know, Mikhail Haggerty raised his hand and said, "Look, you know, I'd, I'd like to help start this." And it gave us a true jump start in terms of resources and access to membership that was just incredible. But first out of the box, you know, the, the whole idea was, well, what is FIBA doing? And FIBA was really much advocating the rights to drive because Europe in European in Europe was largely you know under attack. So there was this initial idea that, you know, that our mantra should be the same. And one of the big pivots with us, I said, after two years, I'm like, I, I really think that we need to turn this around and be a celebration of the automobile, a celebration of delivering that to the American people, rather than this being this insular thing that we're, we have rights and this is all about us and all about our, our passion for us. Because that seems like a luxury. And I, I didn't want this thing to evolve like the NRA or anything like that. I want to turn it around. And I think that's really, it's a good message. It's sharing our stuff with the rest of the world, them gaining an appreciation. In the long run, that works out for everybody. So when we went down that path, first thing we did was surprisingly discovered that the National Historic Preservation Act back in 1966 actually anticipated the automobile. And that's what brought us to the National Register for Historic Places, among other things, our landmarks program, mm-hmm. uh, the whole global movement at that time. And the automobile was written into that legislation and nothing ever happened with it. Nothing mm-hmm. ever happened with it. So oh. so we showed up with the, at the Department of Interior and actually at the National Register and and they said, this is all great, but you know, we're not sure exactly how to do this. And much like I had done in, in my entrepreneurial life, I put together, you know, go out and find you know, Nobel laureates and all the rest of this to folks. And we found the same from the built world who were car guys, who were you know, all about historic buildings. And so we leveraged off of that, opened up a whole bunch of doors and said, and you know, after some, some head scratching, one day said, you know, we can do this National Historic Vehicle Register and link it in through heritage uh, heritage programs at the Department of Interior and make something mm. out of this. And, you know, we almost thought we hit a brick wall for various reasons, but uh, we hit it out of the park. And in fact, the, that, that department embraced us and said, look, you know, after doing the space shuttle and some other things, they said, we've been waiting for somebody to show up here and help us out on the automobile. And they do landscapes, they do buildings and all that. And all that documentation goes into the Library of Congress and is maintained in perpetuity, I mean, minimum 500 years for the American public. And mm-hmm. we thought this is a great way for us to celebrate America's automotive heritage and ensure that these great stories and true information, very accurate information around these vehicles is maintained in perpetuity for the American people. And honestly, the Library of Congress is the biggest library in the world and it's maintained for the world. So there's nothing but good stuff around that. And we had some challenges along the way, but you know, we sort of brought an entrepreneurial idea to this and, uh, and we've taken a couple different steps with it. And we'll talk about our program on the National Mall in Washington, D.C., which is that wonderful piece of park property that sits, uh, you know, between the Lincoln Memorial and the, and the U.S. Capitol. And uh, we've had an event there three times now, or four times, and yeah. uh, next year will be our fourth year. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, celebrating America's automotive heritage at probably a place where uh, where you would expect it is. And sadly, it hadn't been. And, uh, you know, we're trying to fill that gap. Yeah, it's incredible. You know, when I think of what you have created here and how you even figured out how to launch into it, and then you start dealing with government entities and the bureaucracy and the walls and the things that, I mean, have to beat people down sometimes. And I think it's just utterly fantastic that you pulled all this off. Talk about an orchestration is there a, a time along the way where you had kind of one of those big aha epiphany moments when the headlights come on and, and kind of re- helped you realize this is the right direction we're heading in? 
I guess the, you know, there's a, there was a couple of aha moments when we discovered uh, after reviewing legislation in America about the automobile and then look, then happened to stare at the Historic Preservation Act and realized that we actually have an opening for heritage, for automotive heritage to be celebrated, much like we've done for buildings in the United States. There's 80,000 buildings that are that are recorded under the National Register, 80,000. You know, it was like an epiphany. Oh, my goodness. You know, let's run with this, you know. And so we started sitting down and we went to the, the National Register, which it's been set up by four architects, by architects, and there's state organizations called the State Historic Preservation Offices. And essentially, we walked out of the, the head uh, at the time, Carol Scholl, she had the unique title of keeper of the record. And she's an old card lady. I mean, she's driving an old Volvo, for goodness sake. And just, you know, <laughs> we love this stuff, you know. And I brought in Fred Simeone, obviously Simeone. You know, we had a great, you know, group of Malcolm Collum, uh, wow. who used to be at, uh, the, the curator at uh, the Henry Ford, is now mm-hmm. at uh, Malcolm is at the Air and Space. He's the chief conservator there. So, you know, he's a car guy who was in Washington here. And, you know, we walked out of that meeting because she said, look, I, guys, we would have to retool the entire infrastructure. How are we going to do that with all the state offices? And the reality, was it's you know it's filled with people who know a lot about architecture only some of them know anything about cars so mm-hmm. we walk out of there and and a great friend of ours bruce judd who was one of the top uh, on the building side historic preservationists in the country you know he was scratching his head and we're at lunch and we're just sort of looking down at our at our uh you know at our hamburgers or whatever we were having <laughs> that day you know i just felt like we had smashed a brick wall and she's like you know it can't be done we can't figure out a way to retool all that and Bruce said, you know, there's there's this heritage documentation program, which is the underlying part of all this. And that's where all the buildings are recorded, too, and all the landscapes and all the landmarks and everything else. Why don't we go there? And that's and there's a one stop place here in D.C. There's one department. And uh, I, I know the guy who, who is still there and I know some of the other people. And, you know, within a few weeks, we went there and, and they embraced this as like, this is great. So uh, and we found a way to, you know, get deliver funding to that federal government office from us. Uh, to get the stuff done that we're doing. And, uh, oh my goodness, it was like, it was like night and day for us. And so, you know, every once in a while, when you think you hit it, you step back and you find another, you know, there's another crack or crevice and, uh, you know, lo and behold, uh, there was something there. I knew we were going to do it somehow. And it turned out to be a great way to, because it's purely honorific. I mean, owners can do whatever they want with their cars, obviously. Once a car is on the National Historic Vehicle Register, I mean, there's a certain degree, there is a degree of reverence that is attached to it at that point. Sure. So we think that the artifact is, you know, in a much better place of being saved and people are paying attention to preservation of original materials and all that sort of stuff. And all the good stuff that, that we would like to promote out there is, you know, just the, the automobile is just lagging behind, you know, our buildings and, you know, our other artifacts, you know, such as museum artifacts, where we take a, you know, a, a great deal of care uh, of these material objects. And there's these wonderful pieces of American heritage out there, you know, true national treasures. And, you know, we want to make sure that they're not only well documented and all that's together, but that we're giving the owners the tools that they need to, uh, to think about how those vehicles make it to those next generations. Nicely done. Well, let's have a little bit of fun and talk about you a little bit here and talk about your first really special car. And you mentioned the car that became a watch that became lost. And then you mentioned a, <laughs> yes. a car that was a race car. But is what was the first car in your life, the first maybe collector car, or first special, really special car that you acquired that had great meaning for you? You know, I don't know how many of the listeners out there will know what this is, but the first really great collector car. I mean, I, I was a sports car nut and, um, and I, I spent a lot of time in, interested in Italian uh, sports cars. And uh, there's something called a Seata, uh, oh, yeah. Seata 208, Seata 208S, which 
actually was built 10 years before the, you know, before the AC Bristol and Cobra. Well, you know, it was built before the Cobra, but had all those sort of same kind of lines. If you've seen one of these cars, and it was a V8. It's a Fiat V8, a little two liter from Fiat V8 in it. Oh, yeah. And uh, just one of the most beautiful cars, uh, beautiful sort of open cars of all time. I had the opportunity, based on what I was doing in business at the time, to be in a position to acquire one. Found it and just, my goodness, that, uh, that was it was heaven for me. I mean, it was just fantastic. I mean, I had just this wonderful, purest, open Italian sports car and, you know, you know, very, very rare. And just, I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, just the architecture of the car, the, the body and body lines and everything yeah. were just beautiful. Yeah. They I, are. Uh, yeah. Know, you know, I, I eventually, you know, of course, you know, you know, things move on. And a couple of years later, I, I, I sold it to a friend who continues to run the wheels off it. He's, he's the kind, he's one of the few guys who at the Monterey races, he drives down from San Francisco in the car, swaps out the tires, brings his helmet in the car and then drives it out <laughs> on the track and, Good and for drives, him. Uh, just drives it like, uh, like it should be. And, yeah. uh, so, uh, you know, that's a great thing, but it opened up the door for, you know, another great car and that's sort of how it goes. And, you know, a number of cars passed through my hands over the years and I've just been very fortunate to find some really special stuff and find yeah. history on it that, you know, is which is where my passion of it is. Absolutely. Yeah. A good friend of mine up here in the Northwest, David Smith, had a, a absolutely spectacular 53 Seattle 208 CS. I think it was a Stublimenti Farina, if I Farina. got yep. all my names yeah, down. Got and, it right. yeah. and that that car was just so cool. I got to spend a day photo shooting that car and the, the grill was just really unique and different and the car was just a wonderful little jewel. And you're right, very much like a like a cobra in a way, but just much more much more artistic. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Wow. Very cool. Well, well, since you've had a lot of great cars, and when I say the word had, this leads me to my next question about seller's remorse. Is there one in particular taking the money out of the equation? Because we know what the collector car market does. And just emotion. Is there one you'd love to have back? You know, it's, uh, it's probably that Seattle 208 F's. Yeah. Uh, it's just such a beautiful car and sold it to get, a, you know, another car, which, uh, you know, it's just, it's amazingly, it was an early, you know, 30s Alfa Romeo uh, supercharged car. And, nice. I, you know, I just, I mean, it's all great stuff. You know, it's an embarrassment of, of some really great cars that uh, I've been able to touch over the years. But uh, the Seattle 208 S, that's always been on the list of, uh, of cars, you know, you wish you, you wish you could get back. I understand completely. Well, Let's talk about what has you excited and fired up today. You are a very fast-moving guy, and I know as this show airs, uh, Car Week is over, and we're all back from that spectacular adventure. But what has you excited these days about Historical Vehicle Association, HVA, and what you guys are doing? I mean, the program overall. I mean, we... um this is uh, we we launched the program in 2014 with the uh, uh, with the Shelby uh, Daytona Coupe uh, CSX 2287. Um, that was the first one that was built. I mean, a great American story about basically creating a car that was then a closed car from the open open roadsters, and it went on to beat Ferrari and bring home the first international trophy uh, in an international racing series to America. You know, when we launched in 2014, and then for us to be on the National Mall and then take a sort of second look at how to do that. Uh, you know, perhaps your listeners, some of them have seen it out there, but we do a uh, we do an exhibition, which is now a month long, month of April, on uh, the National Mall with a glass cube. And this year, we were able to we were able to feature five cars over over that one month period. And uh, it's something we want to celebrate as sort of you know Auto History Month uh, in America. And mm-hmm. uh, we've brought some great artifacts, and and I mean a lot of people have heard about the story, perhaps uh, this year of the uh, of the um, of the bullet. Uh, of the bullet Mustang, the Mustang yeah, Steve McQueen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, shoot. I mean, it's uh, 
you know, we could, we could talk probably a whole show on uh, bullet Mustang, but you know, we led that off with, we let off our program this year on the mall with uh, the Ferris Bueller day off, um, you know, the Ferris Bueller day off car, uh, yeah. which is, which happened to be, you know, it's happened to be a, uh, you know, it was a movie car. It was a fake Ferrari. It wasn't a real Ferrari. So, you know, I like to say that there's Thank you know, the goodness world, they world. didn't launch a real Ferrari out of that, out of that garage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Exactly. But, uh, you know, the, the reality of it is that, you know, as I joke, as I say, you know, it's, and it's actually, it's probably, it is, it actually probably has the benefit of being true that the world's most famous Ferrari happens to be a fake. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. It's the Ferris Bueller's <laughs> Day Off Ferrari is, uh, it's, you know, if there's a VIN out there that's, uh, that everybody knows, it's probably the Ferris Bueller car. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's, it's, our program on the national mall it's this national register program it's um you know it's taking the next steps with that to we're putting in about five cars a year and really focusing in on those stories and we had some great ones this wow, year so cool. we you know, we, you know we're now looking you know we have next year's stories and the stories you know two years out and you know i think we've had we've had the opportunity to really surprise folks i mean two years ago we had a low rider on the national mall we had a hot rod and uh, and a custom the hero had a custom we had gypsy rose low rider a yes. great story we have a documentary out on our site about that we're always looking to surprise folks and, and this year with the with the bullet car that certainly was uh you know it was something that the family came to us and said you know can you help us you know bring this out and so we worked with ford this year great program with ford uh detroit auto show north american international auto show and uh to bring that out and it's been a media sensation ever since and that's you know we're looking to you know ensure that we're sharing these stories with the american people so sure. that's been a great opportunity the uh the ferris bueller car and you know we had the first we had the last model t out there Mm -hmm. uh, the 15 millionth model t uh we had the first minivan it's called magic wagon number one that was what i (laughs) called it and you know celebrated you know lee iacocca you know his whole story i mean which is linked with mustang which we had out there of course you know mustang and uh and a minivan that they you know for most folks don't go together but you know that was legacy of lee iacocca we're here in allentown with our national historic vehicle association with the national lab that we have where we photograph and 3d scan and do all the great library work and research here lee iacocca's uh he was an Allentown, uh, Allentown native, Allentown boy. Uh, So, uh, you know, there's a little special thing that we're doing to, you know, put together his archive. So it's always really about next year and uh, the great cars and great stories that we're starting to bring together. And as this sort of continues to snowball, um, you know, things increasingly come our way, which are just really fascinating and just, you know, I think, you know, blow a lot of people away when it does happen. And it's, you know, we started out with Doom Buggy, you know, Doom Buggies was in an early car and it's American, the automobile. So one of the earliest ones we did was a Maserati that was the winningest car in Indianapolis history. It's the Maserati 8C uh, that Wilbur Shaw won twice in. And it's all about American, the automobile and how that interacts with, you know, with, with, with life in America. And I mean, we just came back from seeing uh, some really super great stuff today. Um, uh, you know, just stuff that just shocked me that happened to be in a shed, you know, back in, you know, it's like, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're treasure hunters all the time for just really yes. great stories that can connect people. You know, that's, and that's what you want to do. We want to connect the American people. I mean, we're obviously here at the HCA, we're all car guys and, and car guys through and through, but what I know about all this or what we've learned along the way and the aha moments that we've had is focusing on singular stories and making sure that that story resonates with the American public. And it's a, it's a story about people. You know, it's a, this is a people story, yes. you know, so whether it's Ferris Bueller Day Off or, or the, you know, I mean, the, the Bullet Mustang is a story about this family that basically bought the car back, you know, uh, almost 40, you know, 40 plus years ago and 
35 years ago, and it was daily transport for mom. She was a third grade Catholic school teacher. She was driving the Bullet Mustang, <laughs> wow. and they kept it. And they kept it. We were looking at the car, and you know, thank God they just kept it the same way, and just you know, sort of moved it around from garage to barn to garage to garage, and never really touched it. And um, Sean, Sean Kiernan, the son, uh, his dad sadly uh, passed away by the time they were you know wanting to get it back on the road and show it to the American people. You know, Sean just kept everything in the super aha moment. I went down to see the car um, down in Tennessee and he was sort of nervous about showing it to me. He's like, what do you think? You know, and it had all the original paint and everything on it. I was like, I love it. You know, this is, this is absolutely sure. what we're all about, you know, to see that kind of stuff. And that the family basically had the reverence um, uh, with that vehicle, that it was maintained in that sort of way. And, you know, mm-hmm. you, you start restoring a car like that. It's just, you know, you've, you've, you've wiped away history and that's a big thing for us. You know, we're trying to get people to be aware of not wiping away the history of actually saving the history, documenting the history, because these are just great things to hand down to folks and people love it great story. So we're looking for those kinds of things. Love everything about what you guys are doing there at the HVA. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Mark. If you were a vehicle, if you were manifested into a vehicle, not what you want to be, what what you really are, what would you be and why? You know, uh, I guess I'll turn it around just a little bit. And I, I, I have my own thing, you know, because along the way, you know, I, you know, interacting with a lot of folks out there, you know, and I always you know, used to have the question, you know, you, you sit around and say, you know, what was your favorite car? You know, what's, you know, what's all this? And so I, I took a little bit of different twist on it. And I'll just share that with your audience because it's one of the ones that I use. And, and I'll tell you what mine is. But I said, you know, okay, so St. Pete uh, up in heaven, he, he, he rings you up and it's your, it's your time. And uh, you get up to the pearly gates and St. Pete says to you, says, you know, well, I got some good news for you. You say, okay. Okay, what is it? And he says, same St. Pete says, like St. Pete says, well, you can drive in heaven. You can drive in heaven. Like, Holy smokes, I can drive in heaven. St. Pete says, look, you know, you got 10 seconds to tell me which car that you have ever owned you would you want to drive up here and you know that'll be yours and but if you can't make up your mind in 10 seconds i mean you know i'm just sorry but you know we got a line behind you i'm sorry yeah. you're, just, you're just not going to drive <laughs> move along so. move along <laughs> move along so uh, that's a question that I use. That I, it's just something I developed over the years, just to just to get people, you know, to chat with folks about what, what turns them on. And okay. uh, so for a long time, well, at least for the last like four or five years, it's been a, a, a particular Porsche that I had. I had a Porsche 964 and uh, 1991, uh, you know, C2. Love yeah. that car. Just love the ergonomics. And you know, uh-huh. so I was driving that and having up till recently, and I I just did 5,000 miles across the United States in a in a 2015 Wrangler. Uh, Jeep Wrangler, and I've loved Jeeps, but you know I haven't had a new one forever. We did a whole bunch of stuff on Jeeps, and every time we do a project, I mean, it's the next car I want to own. But I did this 5,000 miles, hit seven national parks, and uh, hit the dirt roads. And if St. Pete calls me today and he gives me my 10 seconds, I'm going to tell him my 2015 white, uh, white on white on white uh, uh, Jeep Wrangler. What? Oh my gosh! You just totally confused me with all that. I think I was like you were going down the road for that Porsche and it's a Jeep Wrangler. Wow. Well, you know, if someone is said- change, you know, you can change, right? You, <laughs> you can, can change. change. I you know, guess I so. About, yeah, I'm all about that now. So, you know, you know, you know, look, I've experienced a lot of this, you know, I'd say there's like probably four, four ends of this compass. You know, there's all the people that are restore stuff back to the way it was. And I played, you know, I, I played in that sandbox for a long time. I did the sports car stuff. I've done racing. I've done all that sort of stuff. I haven't gone deep into the custom and sort of hot rod stuff. Although I did have a 32 Ford uh, for a while. And uh, I've had a couple other hot rods. There's some, 
stuff that I'd love to do hot rods in. And then I think the other end of the compass here is sort of this adventure travel and the idea of, you know, actually hitting the road. And, you know, we look at back at, you know, with so, such fondness of, you know, sort of our parents or some of those early adventures that we had, whether it's in a station wagon, depending on how old you are, whether it's in a minivan, which we discovered with a minivan down in the National Mall, you know, those kinds of real experiences with real time of, you know, new stuff. And, you know, so here I am in a new, new, you know, relatively new Jeep uh, that I had. And uh, just, I mean, I had the time in my life and, you know, it's a, uh, if St. Pete calls me, that's what I'm going to drive. <laughs> okay. Well, you were talking about a 91 C2. I had a 91 C2 that I drove as a daily driver for about seven years. Love that car. 964 yep. Porsche. Oh, yeah. Great car. Great yeah. car. Uh, Can't say that I, I would have picked a Wrangler over a Porsche, but, uh, but that, well, you know, yeah. <laughs> the question was, it, it was a different kind of question. So you did answer it. In an incredibly unique way. So I appreciate that. Well, Mark, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yes sponsors. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right, 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom-patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. All right, Mark, we're back and we're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions, ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answer. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Uh, well, uh, when it comes to getting a car fixed or a car restored, it's cheap, quick, or good. Pick two. <laughs> yeah, now, you, only, you only get two. You only yeah. get two. And it has an application to a lot of things in life. Understood. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your many successes over the years? Just stay hungry for knowledge. I mean, I'm just, uh, I'm just, I, I guess I'm all over the place and connecting the dots and, you know, keep learning every day. Absolutely. Keep sharpening that saw. 
Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's emerging with, uh, with all the work that we're doing in this National Historic Vehicle Register and what's in the Library of Congress now and on permanent file. And, uh, you know, check in with us. Uh, you know, the, the documentaries that we do on, on vehicles, go out there and check that out on HVA, the historicvehicle.org. Uh, I'm sure you'll be able to find it. Absolutely. We'll put a link to that on Mark's show notes page on the Cars Yeah website. Now, if I could wave a magic wand and arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? Amos Northup. Whoa. Okay. Why is Amos? So Amos is the father of streamlining in the automotive industry and been totally overlooked, uh, slipped on the ice uh, at a relatively young age in the late 30s, hit his head on uh, on Valentine's Day and uh, passed away. He was one of the earliest designers. And when he passed away, he was lauded by New York Times and a variety of other newspapers around the world as the father of the streamlining of the automobile and basically took the car from being, you know, what was the sort of 20s and 20s design to what was then to be the modern design and started out with streamlining and actual wind tunnels. And everything that we do today is all focused on that. And the guy had been forgotten. It's part of the story around the Graham Blue Streak uh, that we featured as one of our uh, vehicles on the National Historic Fair Register. Very so cool. love to meet him and been to his been to his old house, you know, been to been down all this. And, you know, it's just it's troubling that, that that nothing was passed on. But we found a lot of stuff along the way and some relatives. So I'd love to sit down and talk with him. Yeah, I'm glad you brought him up. Nobody's ever mentioned his name on this show, which is pretty amazing to me. After 1,112 people. Well, I mean, I tell you that only because, you know, I don't think anybody knew he was the father of streamlining and was lauded as, you know, it was applauded as being that uh, person uh, back in the day, but, uh, you know, sadly lost to history. Well, you're always learning, Aaron Karja, and I appreciate that. Well, how about a book? Speaking of learning, is there a book? you'd like to uh, recommend to our listeners? Let's see. The Stewardship of Historically Important Automobiles. Of course. Yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's, it's one that just rolls off the time. But, you know, it's early on, uh, we put together one of our first seminars with uh, Fred Simeon, Simeon uh, Museum uh, yep. on here in Philadelphia. We have had a strong passion collectively uh, around preservation and, uh, you know, how to, how to respect the artifact how a lot of thinking around that word exists in the museum world and other places really wasn't existing in our world. And so we went out to uh, put together a little seminar. And from that seminar, this book was published. Nice, nice. Well, I'm glad you recommended that book and mentioned Fred Simeon. For you listeners who missed my talk with Fred, his show is on the Cars yeah website. Go back and check it out. Amazing guy, amazing collection, amazing museum. And you'll find all these wonderful resources Mark has shared with us today on his show notes page. On the Cars yeah! website, just type Mark Gessler, G-E-S-S-L-E-R, into that search bar, and all these great resources will pop up. All right, Mark, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question, well, it can be a bit of a doozy. I'm going to buy you any cool collector car in the world today, but you can only have this one collector car in your garage. But you have to drive it. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. But money is no object today. I'm writing the check. So what can I buy you? Well, uh, and if we could find it, I'd love for you to buy it for me. Because so Stephen Mather, who was the uh, head of national parks um, back in the early 20s, uh, the automobile was what made national parks work. They needed to get more people to national parks. And he drove around in a um, Packard Sport, uh, an eight-cylinder Packard Sport. And the license plate was NPS, National Park Service number one. And I uh, dearly love to find uh, that car because you know we operate 
operate under national parks. That's the part of the Department of Interior that we work through. I just came back from a great tour of seven national parks in my Jeep. I had all you know ever since I saw the pictures of of, of Stephen Mather as he toured the parks in the, in a and it's basically a 1923 uh, Packard Eight Sport, uh, the one that Stephen Mather drove as the first head of the national parks and really put the national parks program together and what a great treasure for the American people. That's going to be hard to find. Uh, I better get to work. This sounds like a mystery vehicle, but very very cool car. I didn't know they were making them that early. I always thought they were like 1930 to 35. So I'm going to have to do a little more research to get my, well, my brain Well, yeah, I do, I do have the 1922 Packard Sport. Oh, okay. Uh, not the eighth. Yeah, so it's it's about as close as I could get to it. But uh, nice. I dearly love to find, uh, you know, he was he was the guy that, you know, basically was behind what we appreciate today sure. uh, as the national parks and was the guy that says, look, we've got to put roadways in here for people to for people to come and he was behind all that so he knew that the automobile linked um, the american people with their national parks and you know that's you know a legacy that um you know again like we like to we like to tell these great stories and and one that we think is cool and i don't know i you know just really love to find his car i think so i think so i'll get to work mark you've taken me on an awesome ride today i knew you would i'm so happy i finally landed you as a guest here on cars yeah i want to thank you for sharing your amazing journey. Uh, kudos to you and your team for what you're doing for the hobby, the cars in this country, for the country, for the people. It's absolutely spectacular. Is there a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance you might offer us before you drive off into that national park in that 23 Packard Sport 8? Well, it's a, you know, the, 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 uh, the sort of tagline that we've developed here is drive history, sort of a double entendre. You know, I'd, I'd love people to be out there showing their, you know, showing their, uh, their historic cars, their classic cars, and history is all the way up to the present. So I consider the Jeep that I just drove across my personal history, right? So share that with people, your great story about you and cars, and which is much of what this show is about. Uh, but also for us to, to think about sort of in, ensuring that we are passing this along. So, you know, it's more than just keeping things in great condition, save the paperwork, save all that stuff. That's what we find. That's what we spend our lives trying to do. So if you guys can help, help us out there, help us out with great stories, great uncovered human interest stories around the automobile and its and its role in American culture, pass that along to us because that's what we think is, is great. So everybody out there, we love you to drive history. Absolutely, absolutely. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and the Historic Vehicle Association? Well, the uh, historicvehicle.org is our, is our website. That's got a wealth of information there. We're out on Instagram. We have a great Facebook page, too. So you can find us in all the normal ways that you'd love to. Our annual Cars at Coffee, uh, or sorry, Cars at, Cars at the Capitol on the National Mall, if I can repeat that, our annual Cars at the Capitol on the National Mall in April. They put that on your list. Uh, we'll, uh, this will be, again, the, uh, that'll happen again this next April in, uh, in 2019. And uh, we'd love for folks to come down there and see that. About 500,000 people actually see this, uh, wow. this glass box on the National Mall. So that's more than, I think, any museum in the country. So we get a lot of people to come by and see a great car story. And, uh, and so we'd love all of your listeners to put that on their list and maybe think about coming down uh, one of these Aprils. Definitely. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything Mark has shared on his show notes page at carsyad.com. Thank you, Mark, for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, and for sharing incredible experiences and for what you do. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You take care of your cars. 
but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified. And he's a car guy, too. Learn more at chrisvkimball.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.